to the Great Scott Show. Joining us now is Brody Miller, beat writer for the LSU Tigers, friend of the program, and a South Jersey native who's been in the South for a little while. He also hosts the Hold That Podcast podcast with our friend T. Bob A. Bear. Brody, good morning, man. How you doing? I am doing all right. It's a different kind of Tuesday. I feel like every Tuesday this year I'm talking about something extremely bleak. And I, I guess there are still bleak things to talk about, but at least uh, LSU uh, won a football game and has a top five signing class tomorrow. Yeah, going to ask you about uh, tomorrow's signing day in, in a few minutes. Uh, but looking back at, at Saturday, man, that um, – I, I, a list of crazy things that all unfolded, uh, aside from, from, I guess, the major moments that everyone remembers, even if they didn't watch the game. I mean, they saw, they saw the, the shoe throw and, and all that unfolded after it. Everyone's got thoughts on it. What, what moment do you feel like was maybe a bit under the radar that ultimately would have swayed that game one way or another? Because there were so many parts I felt like in that game where, boy, if this one thing's different, it's a different outcome. Yeah, where do you begin, right? I think, you know, because like, like you said, the shoe is the, the number one thing that you can't even in a million years quantify. And then there's the, and the, there's just so many little things, right? I think, you know, for example, when they scored that, you know, Max Johnson on that really nice drive to go up 34, 31 yeah 34 31 uh is that right yeah and uh and you know they go up it was like 10 minutes left in the game right and my editor immediately messaged me and was like they scored at the exact right time because the fog it was right before the fog got so bad that like nobody could see anymore so even like that you know what i mean like the timing of when they scored the go-ahead touchdown stuff like that or obviously the helmet off the interception but i'd go further than that i mean the real, I mean, if you like want to take away the, dra- the drama of this game, right? You want to take away the like nonsense. And by the way, it was nonsensical. But if you want to focus on like something that's almost, you know, something that would actually take away, I go back to Florida game, you know, what, 600 something yards, just move the ball at will. It wasn't like LSU's defense played amazing, but they only got like what, tw- like 17 or 20 points out of the red zone. It wasn't that much. And that was kind of my like the one consistent thing across that game was. They get a stop at the goal line. They get that interception at the, you know, um, you know, off the helmet and all that. They just like kind of stopped Florida from scoring, even though they moved the ball. I'm not sure that means the defense necessarily played great, but it also means they didn't. I think what that tells you about that game was just the LSU kind of just refused to go away, even without so many players. Good stuff, Brody Miller. It was uh, it was wild, man. And uh, as a 23 and a half point underdog to win straight up on the road. A lot of folks excited about Max Johnson. I I did for for this anytime a, a quarterback makes their first start in college or pro. Yeah. Um, I did it with you know for LSU context after TJ Finley looked good against South Carolina. I say, look, give it four or five games and you know two or three games at least. Once teams get more film on you, now I'm not saying that to take away from how he played. I thought the kid played terrific. I thought uh, under pressure. I thought he was poised. Um, I thought he read the defenses extremely well. I mean, he he looked like he belonged. I, I don't, you know, there's thoughts of, oh, well, if he had been starting all along, they would have done. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know about all that. I don't know yeah. what next year holds. So all of that, just in a vacuum in terms of what he showed on Saturday night, what are your thoughts overall on him as 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 a quarterback 
if they play this Saturday and uh, you know against Ole Miss and, and perhaps into the future as well? Well, first off, I think you nailed it in the sense that my main thing I'm telling everybody, and, I, and like you said, I am actually extremely high on how Matt Johnson looked, and probably even like marginally more than I was with T.J. Finley. But yeah, the key thing to remind everyone of talking about this game is remember exactly how you felt after South Carolina because it's about exactly. I mean, I guess Max Johnson like had to do more clutch stuff and like did some other stuff that was more impressive. But I mean, that's exactly how everyone felt about T.J. Finley, right? So yeah, you nailed it there, and. I, I think, yeah, you put it well in the sense that, by the way, I think T.J. Finley played well. Like, as much as, you know, T.J. Finley was a raw three-star who was seen as a huge project that wasn't going to be ready, if ever. And then he comes in as a true freshman, starts, what, four games, wins two, looks just, you know, you know certain games when the O-line looks good, he looks like a guy who was going to be an SEC starter for a while. And then other games, he got rattled. He had tough games. He's a freshman, true freshman playing in the SEC. So, yeah, like, I actually, as much as he got benched in the Alabama game, I actually almost left the Alabama game thinking, like, he looked really good for a half. He really did. Like, they moved the ball against Alabama so much better than I thought they would. So, sorry, long tangent. But, yeah, my takeaway is that LSU has two good freshman quarterbacks that can be, you know, happy about for its depth. And Max Johnson really, really wowed me. And the thing with him was always, it's like we only saw him in these run-only situations or in in garbage time when the game was over. So, I'm just kind of like, Hey, what does he actually look like in a real playbook with a full, you know, with the actual first teamers and all that? And he really wowed me. And I think the main things that wowed me were, you know, just the way he handled pressure in the pocket. You know, he, it's not that he, it's the way that he just saw it right away and made a quick decision. It's the way that he maneuvered the pocket. It wasn't like he, because yes, we know we can run, but it's not like he just scrambled because he could. He had this really good ability to like, hey, there's two guys coming off the left and just had that perfect footwork almost like, you know, honestly, almost like Burrow in the sense that like, hey, you just take that one and a half steps to your right, get just enough space and then make a confident throw. You know, it's those little like comfort things that just was like, oh, that does not look like a freshman to me. And he does not have the biggest arm. And we always knew that. But what he does have and the one thing I put him over Finley is that he has touch. Finley's going to make some throws that Johnson can't make, absolutely. But Johnson's actual balls, arguably. He has really nice touch, fits balls in the nice spots, and just kind of the offense just kind of had a rhythm and flow with him. And and the huge caveat that you know my my pointed out was, hey, the consistency between both these quarterbacks when they play well is the offensive. The offensive line looked great, but still, I came away really impressed with Max Johnson. And he's probably going to have some bad games. And he's probably going to stock will probably come crashing down to earth. He's a freshman, but. I think LSU's at a really good place with these two true freshmen way ahead of schedule. Brody Miller of The Athletic, our guest, ESPN1420and.com. Uh, Brody, in terms of tomorrow and uh, early National Signing Day, which doesn't have the hype around it that the old National Signing Day does, and and for the record, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I think part of it is, you know, it's not going to be the entire class, and it also falls at a time where, especially in 2020, there is so many sports going on between the NFL and, and championship weekend in college football with the conferences and the NBA about to tip off and all that stuff. Um, and then here in Louisiana, you got, you know, semifinals and other things and high school football coming up this week. Having said that, recruiting is something that a lot of fans follow very, very closely. Um, you know, is is this season of uh, attrition on the field and disturbing revelations off the field, not just, you know, not specifically this year, but from, you know, recent years in the program, surrounding the program, 
many are questioning, okay, is is this season where they're going to you know finish without a winning record a blip on the radar, or is this a sign of things to come? Well, a lot of that's going to depend on how they recruit, and, and also I think we can add now for sure their ability to keep these guys within the program. Uh, what Give us, a, I guess, a Cliff's Notes version of what to expect tomorrow and the importance of it long-term for LSU and their sustainability in terms of being uh, a perennial team that's maybe not going to you know go undefeated every year. I think that expectation is is absurd, but but be back where I think many would feel like they belong, just perennially rested in one of the better teams in the country. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I'd start with, you know, Ed Ogeron yesterday was pretty obvious. He had a, a message to his to recruits right now, and it's, it's the same thing I'd say to you, and it's that he was pointing out very heavily, hey, you know, LSU played 28 freshmen and sophomores on, on Saturday, and they won. They beat Florida, right? And, and then all 37 points were scored by freshmen and sophomores. They were they were very much pointing that out for for good reason. I think there was he's very much highlighting to these guys two things, and it's something that you know I've always been told by people in recruiting that like. Like wins and losses don't matter as much as people as we tend to feel. Like one game does not matter as much as you and I tend to think they do, and I and I always have to be reminded of that. So I don't think this four and five season is is enough to like talk recruits out of it. But it's like you said, it's all the other stuff. But what they're selling right now is that hey, and this I think this happens all the time, and it's a good recruiting tool when it's going bad you sell that that means you can play. It means that you can get on the field early. That's your selling point. Because everyone knows LSU can win championships. We just saw them do it. So recruits aren't I don't I don't think recruits are looking at LSU and thinking like that what a what a disaster. LSU can sell to them if they do it well is hey, we just need some more talent. You can be the guy to help fix this and get it back to another championship. It's almost a, a really easy sell. And you know, so back to your original question, I think the you can look at it two ways, right? I think LSU is going to land another top five class. I think they're going to land Mason Smith tomorrow, a five-star defensive tackle. And it's probably going to be, what, the four or five class in the country. And, you know, they might have another guy or two get flipped, but they'll also land some decent guys. And it's going to be a, a good year. And But I think the important thing is that it, it's kind of good. We're on like a three-year run now. By the way, there'll be three straight top five classes if he does that, which, for reference, Les Miles only did three straight top five classes once in his whole, you know, LSU career. You know, that's really impressive. And that's how you win titles. So, I'm not criticizing, but the almost kind of like bittersweet part of these three classes, though, if it goes how we think it will, is that it's kind of three straight years where they're really close to elite class. So like this year, it really looked like before everything went haywire this year, they were going to land, you know, Tristan Lee, the five-star offensive tackle, and, and maybe Furman, the number one player in the country. Like it really looked like LSU might come down with a number one or two class in, in football, which would have been massive. And it's kind of how it was last year. And it's even kind of how it was two years ago. And they, just kind of miss on some of those big fish down the wire. And this year there's obvious reasons for that. But and what I say that I'll say all that is to say you could look at it either way, right? Top five class, really good class, especially in this brutal year. You got to be pretty happy with that. But also there's just that slight frustration that because of this wild season, because of all the off field stuff. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they lost some ground with a lot of guys they were really in the mix for. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky year, but LSU it's, it's interesting, right? They have, their sophomore classes, the top five, like we said, three straight top five classes. There's no reason the talent, if they hold on to these guys, shouldn't be enough to be back to what you're saying. Like at least next year, you know, a nine and three top 15 program, right? Or, or a title contender in two years. Like that, that doesn't seem 
crazy to me. But you have to, one, make some staff changes and really get some things in order, get the locker room back. And, yeah, like you said, you've got to find a way to hold on to some of these freshmen and sophomores because I've reported it and we've all heard the rumors that, yeah, there might be more guys going. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Eric Gilbert. He might be leaving. We'll see. You don't know what's going to happen with some of these other young guys, and that's something you you really got to worry about because, yeah, you might have this top five class, but if you lose some of those guys, all of a sudden you're like, that's a hole in your infrastructure that's tough to get back. To follow up on a point you just made, Brody Miller, I guess, uh, you said they might lose Eric Gilbert. There have been some reports that, that he entered the transfer portal. Was, are those are those premature? They were premature, yeah. I mean, I think I think he was – I mean, let's put it this way. When I reported Monday that he was, you know, like opting out and whatnot, yeah, I mean, every indication I had at that time was that he was going to transfer and that he was, you know, he was probably going back home and he wasn't very happy. And I think LSU – you know, in the next 24 hours after that, did some things to at least make it not be so permanent. You know, I, you know, it's one of those things where because the result, people think the original is not true. And it's like, I think it was actually a mixture of it was true at the time. And I think LSU kind of curbed some of those things. And I still think there's a decent chance he leaves. And there's also a decent chance he stays. But I think LSU at least kind of made it. They had him reframe it as more of, hey, I'm opting out and then thinking about things. You know, I think that's what LSU did, and it was a smart move, and I think, you know, they're, they're it. I mean, I think they're firmly in it to keep Eric Gilbert, but it's going to be really tough. Brody Miller, LSU beat reporter for The Athletic, our guest, ESPN 1420. Uh, my first is as LSU moves into the offseason shortly, uh, <laughs> many are expecting some changes uh, on the staff, potentially. Care to 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 share your thoughts on what it might look like? I mean, I just don't. The, every year there's there's turnover on the on on a staff. Some years more than others, but this has just been an odd year for all the reasons. Only a few of which we've kind of touched on on this phone call. Um, who in there do you think might go on their own? Who should be worried about maybe being relieved of their duties? If anybody, just want your thoughts on that before we let you go. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'll be honest. It's kind of a tough year to to predict like the what's going to happen, you know, things like that. It's just, it, it is with the, the financial parts of it with the, you know, just the weirdness of 2020. Of course, I think we all expect there to be some changes. You know, I think, I think we will see what happens with the buyout and stuff like that, but we'd be naive to think that there's a very, to not think there's a very good chance of opening news come on and they have a new defensive coordinator. I think Steve Ensminger, I actually am, been more giving the benefit of doubt more than a lot of people this season. And, you know, I, I think he's done a good job the last few weeks in particular, but we all have heard that. I mean, pretty much every year, at least I've been on the beat for like three or three years now that almost every year, Steve Ensminger is like, Hey, I'm going to retire, you know, and then Ed Ogeron kind of talks him out of it, says, I need you. And, and Steve stays, but you know, I wonder if, Hey, maybe this year, you know, you won your title this year, things took a bit of a dip. It was a tough year. Maybe maybe this time at Ojan kind of you know lets him go you know not let not fires him but you know maybe maybe nudges him to you know maybe you have two new coordinators this year and then I think you I think it's safe to expect you know one or two other position coach changes you know they have an older staff right now that doesn't mean they're bad but it just I think it hurts with connecting the kids I think it hurts with you know sometimes you think forward thinking in football it hurts with I would assume with recruiting to some extent not with Enzinger by the way Enzinger is actually one of their better recruiters but still like I think you know so I think you can expect. LSU to one, you know, have a little bit more of a forward-thinking coordinator staff, get a little bit younger at some of those position coach jobs, and I think uh, I don't have, I'm not at a point where I'm ready to predict who's leaving and who's staying, but I think you can expect good changes here. Good stuff from Brody Miller, our guest, ESPN1420.com. Brody, appreciate the time as always, man. Um, 
you know, I, I like to wrap up our conversations with, you know, a movie question maybe here or there. Um, I know you're a big Tarantino it. guy. And, you know, I, I used to, when I was younger, listen to a lot of movie soundtracks. And so, you know, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, a lot of different various artists, songs, different eras. And then they would also loop in some of the audio from a few scenes in the movie here, you know, some liners here and there. What 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 song... Of, of the Tarantino library of films is the one that you feel maybe it's your favorite or just the one that just makes you think if you hear it outside of the context of that movie, you immediately just, Oh, you just think of that movie. You think of that moment. Oh man. Okay. So it's, yeah, that's a great, great question. Some of those ones I almost wish I was prepared for. I mean, I mean, like, because Stuck in the Middle with You is obviously, you know, from Reservoir Dogs, is probably the one that, like, is l- the most literally synonymous with a movie scene. So I think, like... Pretty messed up scene, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That comes to mind. And then, yeah, I mean, the dance scene from uh, from Pulp Fiction obviously comes to mind. So it's it's so tough, actually. I'm trying to think of, like, a really fun out, outside-the-box answer here. You know, like, shoot, there's even a small part of me that, like... Rick Ross, the hundred black coffins and Django is like, you know, that one definitely stands out. That, that's pretty only that movie. So, but yeah, I think my answer has to be stuck in the middle, even though it's such a boring answer. I, I like, I like, I just like the opening, you know, the, the famous scene where they're all walking and in slow mode, oh, yeah. little green bag. I mean, if that, I, I, first of all, I like the song and, um, if if it doesn't really come on in public places, so I shouldn't say that it used to back when I was younger in the nineties. But if I'd ever hear it back then, I would just I'd just have to slowly start walking like I was in the movie or something. That's the geek <laughs> in me. I won't even lie. But uh, yeah, man, it's so it the, the music what? is just. There's been people that have tried to duplicate what he does in films, and it oh, just yeah. doesn't work. And I don't know exactly how he does it. Um, no, but but he did. But that's what makes he him stole it from. He was almost probably replicating Scorsese, but he just like did it in his own weird Tarantino yeah. way. Yeah, I think I think the weird part is is that people try to do the weird part of it. Usually they fail. There's there's different knocks off knockoffs, but his just tends to work. Uh, I would say almost all the time. Yeah. So I have one other to throw Go out ahead. there, and I, I, and I and I realize I should, this is actually my new favorite, and it's the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That like we I forget who does it, but that cover of keeps me hanging on, uh-huh. and it's like kind of like a grungy keeps me hanging on, and it's that whole epic ending scene of Brad Pitt being high and getting into like a ridiculous bloody fight with some with some hippies. It's like one of my just favorite like what is happening endings of all time, and I, I like that song. Everything <laughs> about that just the it was like a symphony. So that's actually my new pick. Good stuff. Brody, appreciate it, man. You guys, if you're not already, give Brody a follow on Twitter, uh, especially if you follow LSU at Brody A. Miller is the handle, and uh, he does a great job for The Athletic, and he and T-Bob on the Hold That Podcast podcast. Brody, appreciate the time, man. I know it'll be a busy day for you tomorrow, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll talk to you in the future. Thanks for having me as always, man. A lot of fun. Take care. You got it.